We've already had some extraordinary drama in the Champions League. Match day one saw Bayern Munich win a battle of flawed giants by four goals to three against Manchester United. Union Berlin in their first ever Champions League game suffered last gasp heartbreak at the hands of Jude Bellingham and Real Madrid. And the 17th or 18th version of PSG's all-star attack found a way past Borussia Dortmund. Oh, and a goalkeeper scored a 95th-minute equaliser. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. No real dramas when it comes to our top tipping team. Just great picks and advice all the way. Marco Hare's been adding new screens to the Bet Cave, taking in games from Latvia to Laos. Uh, Mark, let's start with Newcastle because they started with a gritty, perhaps somewhat fortunate goalless draw away at Milan. This week, they've got Paris Saint-Germain, though, and this feels like a real opportunity to announce themselves at this level. Yeah, huge occasion, isn't it? Uh, you know, twenty years outside of this competition, your first game back in at St James's Park is is PSG. You know, some reintroduction to the Champions League football uh, on the Tyne. So, you know, Eddie Howe's been sort of rallying the support at the weekend after the game with Burnley, sort of making it clear, very clear to to supporters about how much this uh, this match means in in midweek and how much of an impact they can have as a as a support. And you know. Uh, uh, a Newcastle crowd at home is always pretty vociferous, so I'm sure they'll get right behind their team. But um, I think PSG are, are relatively well accustomed to dealing with hostile atmospheres themselves anyhow. So uh, massive Sometimes their own fans, to be honest. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you said it there already. Newcastle, to get something out of this game, have to be 10 times better than they were in Milan, where Nick Pope was man of the match and some wayward finishing from Milan certainly helped in that 0-0 draw. They were easily second best and I think anything remotely close to that kind of performance will see them punished. Um, I obviously expect a big improvement however there are some key injuries to deal with. Uh, look through that sort of first 11 if you like probably three key members of the spine are missing uh, Botman, Jolinton and Wilson. Uh, I know Barnes and Willock are also out as well but um, they're sort of um, you know substitute options but um you still got Isak leading the line they're not exactly paupers now but um he does bring a different skill set and I think Wilson's kind of uh if you want to call it like a, a kind of bumper car style uh physicality to how he leads the line I think that could have caused Milan some problems you know Isak has his own skill set but um I do think that's a blow um I also I'm not completely comfortable at the moment with the um Tenali and Gimmerish in the in the midfield three. Um, I think they're both trying to do each other's roles a bit too often at the minute. And I think things still need to be sort of balanced out in midfield for Newcastle. But defensively, they have, they've now kept five clean sheets across all competitions on the trot. So PSG will have to work hard to break them down. But Luis Enrique said uh, after match day one and the win against Dortmund, that was as close to perfection as as he's had so far with PSG. Um, it felt very routine, actually, in Paris, that victory. Now, they have had vulnerabilities on their travels uh, in the past in this competition, PSG. But actually, if you look at the calibre of club that PSG have lost to and playing away in the Champions League since 2013, that's a 10-year sample now, they very rarely lose uh, away to sort of non-elite teams. If you look at the clubs in those 10 years to have beaten PSG at home, Chelsea, Barcelona, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Man City, Bayern Munich, Dortmund and Leipzig so you could probably package Dortmund Leipzig and a couple of English clubs in there and suggest well of course Newcastle can do something similar here but 
you know, the market already kind of fancies them anyhow. They were very kind of shortish prices away at Milan and their favourites here as well, which kind of just pushes me into a PSG position, actually. So, you know, you can get PSG with a quarter goal start at 178 and, and that makes money if, if PSG avoid defeat. So I quite like that play. Um, I know they were frustrated at Clermont on Saturday. They did have 10 shots on target, uh, an XG of three or more, uh, five big chances. It's just one of those days where, where things don't click. But, um, you know, if you're relying on the likes of Mbappe, Moani, Dembele to have another not off night, you know, that's that's pretty rare for all three of those to be misfiring in two consecutive games. You've got Ramos off the bench, Hakimi just raiding down the right-hand side against Dan Byrne. That's a, a you know, potential mismatch to look at. I hadn't and... thought of that, actually. <laughs> that's one to make and, uh... shudder, isn't it? Exactly. And, and we said, you know, in, in the outrights and on the week one preview, but I just really like the defensive structure of this team now. Uh, in terms of individuals, you've got the likes of Donnarumma, Marquinhos, uh, Skriniar, Luca Hernandez, Agate now as well. I think PSG man for man are the better side here. They have more experience playing at this level. I'm happy to back them with a quarter goal start at 178. And if Newcastle bring the noise, then so be it. But um, I'm quite happy to be a PSG with the, with the plus goal start. Odds compiler and master of the sustainable edge. Mark Stinchcom is back after a break. He's fully recharged and ready to go. Stinch, Paris had a, a pretty awful result of the weekend. Mark's alluded to it there. Goal of straw against Claremont. I know the Claremont goalkeeper played well, but Luis Enrique packed all of his forwards pretty much into that forward line, apart from Gonzalo Ramos. He had, he had Barcola, he had Dembele, he had Colomuani and Mbappe in there. And still they couldn't come up with a goal. And they've already had some pretty ordinary results in Liga. Is this something to be concerned about with Paris or is it just Luis Enrique piece by piece putting this team together and trying to create something more sustainable than some of his predecessors? Um, it's an interesting question because they've had a huge turnover really in players, haven't they? Not just the manager, but a huge turnover of players. A lot of the older guard that were expected to take them to Champions League success have now moved on. The likes of, the likes of Neymar, Messi, Verratti, Ramos, uh, Mbappe now is the out-and-out leader in, in the team. Um, so I think we just, in my mind, still waiting to see how that gels, to, gels together. We've seen a few... Decent uh, victories and performances, you know, scoring four goals against the likes of Marseille and Lyon, but then, you know, throwing it in with the, the likes of losing at home to, to Nice and, and failing to to beat Clermont. So I'm still not quite sure where this uh, PSG team is is at. Uh, and a similar sort of theme with, with Newcastle as well, to be honest, how, how they're going to juggle European football and, and week-to-week Premier League because... We've seen them obviously lose from a commanding position against Liverpool, then get beaten quite heavily away at Brighton. But since then, they've had five five clean sheets in a row, but it hasn't all been as, as swimmingly as that suggests. You alluded to there, you know, they, they were lucky to get out of the San Siro with a point. So, yeah, just kind of really waiting, to, waiting a bit longer to see um, a bit more data and performances from from both these sides at this early stage of the season. Uh, I mean, obviously, it all comes down to price. I uh, was, was, was surprised, really, to see Newcastle as favourites, but we know, actually, their underlying numbers are really, really good. And I think, defensively, they can probably subdue this PSG team and then poten- potentially hit them on the, the break with the, with the pace that they've got themselves. So, I think it's a fascinating encounter and it, it just in the, you know, we have such a 
such a huge fixture list this week with the Champions League and the two other European competitions. There were just better bets elsewhere for me. Trader, tipster and renowned Cirque du Soleil choreographer Emmett O'Keefe is on the panel with us. Emmett, uh, how do you see this one going? Because Newcastle, as Mark alluded to, that midfield balance maybe isn't quite right, but as Stinch says, they're still defensively looking pretty good. And Paris, some good stuff, some bad stuff. So I guess it's just a classic early season clash, isn't it, when teams aren't quite at it? Yeah, I'm, I would I kind of echo everything Mark said. I'm kind of... I'm kind of interested to see how Newcastle's kind of really aggressive press that's kind of good, good enough to dominate most Premier League opposition will, at home, how that will fare as they step up in class against a team like PSG. We saw kind of Arsenal and Liverpool kind of knife through that, knife through Newcastle on the counter-attack to win at St. James's last season. And I kind of think PSG can do something similar, especially with the, the injuries that Newcastle have. Um, we mentioned Dan Byrne, like Dan Byrne against Dembele and uh, and and Hakimi, uh, Jamal Lascelles coming in for Botman against Conan Wani. Kieran Trippier is obviously a very good player, but I, I wouldn't say at the, at the age he is now, like he doesn't really have the speed to live with him, live with Mbappe at all. Most fullbacks don't, obviously, but I think I think they'll be hard matchups for Newcastle if they're going to go after PSG in their traditional kind of high pressing style at home, and. I think while PSG have maybe been a little bit patchy in the league, I think their overall talent and their overall team structure look stronger than in previous years. The way they swatted aside Dortmund was impressive. And I just, yeah, I think I'd, I'd need to see more from Newcastle for um, in terms of at this level and against kind of better opposition for them to have them favourites. And, and also another injury to mention is Joe Linton's probably going to be absent with a hamstring injury. So just like if you're looking... If you'd said to me who are maybe Newcastle's five or six most important players, I'd have Botman and and Joe Linton in there. So I think I think that just w- w- with the injuries and a kind of a, a few doubts around whether Newcastle can really step up in class, I thought PSG are a bit of value, and I'd recommend the same bet as uh, as Mark a PSG plus uh, a plus on, on the Asian handicap. Now, we know that injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So you've now got 90-minute payout to dig you out of trouble. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbegambleaware.org. The other game in Newcastle's group sees Dortmund face Milan. Emmett. Dortmund grinding out results at the moment. I commentated on them on Friday. They won at Hoffenheim probably just about deserved it but there are still spells where they weren't playing particularly well but they're getting it done but they might need a much better level of performance if they're going to beat this Milan team that's it yeah kind of again kind of what we said in match day one about kind of being one of the opposed Dortmund it feels like they're being priced a bit on last season and not really on this season's performance obviously they've lost Jude Bellingham this summer but like they had a really soft kind of early season schedule in the Bundesliga. And although they have 14 points through six games, their kind of underlying numbers suggest they're they're pretty lucky to get that. Even in one, in one of their matches when they beat Freiburg 3-1, they kind of racked up a couple of their goals and they're kind of most of those chances when Freiburg were kind of down to 10 men. They didn't offer that much resistance against PSG really. And I just think... They were undone think... by the penalty, to be fair. I mean, the, the game plan was to play five at the back, wasn't it? Yeah. To try and restrict them. And that was bobbling along okay. And then a really harsh, unlucky penalty, I think. And then the game changes, doesn't it? I suppose I, I just kind of felt 
I, I just felt that the PSG were never worried by them was my general point. I, I'd say just generally. Yeah, that's fair. That's under, fair. Yeah, like they only credit 0.5 XG and you would hope with a team, you could generally in Dortmund in previous years, you could generally rely on their attack to kind of at least create chances and that wasn't necessarily the case. Whereas I just think Malata is a really solid team other than getting, like they were hammered by Inter away from home, but I think that's that's no disgrace. Inter look outstanding. One of the, one of the, one of the best seven or eight teams in Europe, I think. And then, and, and, and they've, they've kind of won every other Serie A match. They look like a team that'll be there in, 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 for, in the Serie A title race for most of the season. They're kind of a really proven kind of um, European side. I think they have the players to really hurt Dortmund on the counter-attack when Dortmund come forward, like Rafael Leao, Pulisic is coming into a bit of form. I just, I, I think Milaner just, I think are are pretty clearly a better team than Dortmund. And given that, I can't have them at, at kind of three point on the exchange. I think I played a bit safer, maybe back them plus uh, plus point two five in the Asian hand, Asian handicap. So you win if if Dortmund if Dortmund, if Dortmund get a draw. But I think that I think Dortmund look one of the best best value uh, bets this week. Yeah, Mark. Sorry, AC, AC Milan. I mean, sorry, AC Milan. Milan. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mark, it looks really interesting this game because Milan, I thought looked. Good against Lazio, Pulisic fit, playing well. We can't always say that, but has had a run of games and that's important for him. Rafael Leal looks cut above most players in Serie A. I mean, he was stellar again against Lazio, made both of the goals. Emmett's right, isn't he? How are they going to deal with him on the counter-attack? Because Emre Can, who's the club captain, has been dropped recently. Sally Özcan is a is a bit of a warrior, but can be a bit rash just not sure how they can stop him. Yeah, I mean, what Milan have done brilliantly this summer is, is kind of pack out that forward line. So they've got options, so no Okafor coming off the bench to score at the weekend. You've got Chukwesi there as well. So they've got players who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, there's pace, there's physicality, uh, there's confidence as well. You know, Rafael Leal, you'll find a few more confident players in, in Serie A this season. But um, yeah, I've got exactly the same bet here as, as, as Emmett, actually. Um, I expected the price between these two teams to be a lot closer than they are. Um, Milan at two to one on the exchange. You can get them at almost 17 to 20, 185 with a quarter goal start, which, as Emmett says, gets you paid as long as they avoid defeat. And I've been pretty forthright with Dortmund this season. Um, you know, I felt that the, the scars of last season would take time to heal. I think we've seen that in a lot of performances so far this season, yeah. clearly losing the heartbeat of that team as well on and off the field in Jude Bellingham. Um, you know, there's no getting over that. You know, he's he's the best player on that club by a mile. So that's a blow. And I still think there's a fair of warranted scrutiny around Edin Terzic as well, whether he's the right yeah. character, the right coach to lead that club forward. So um, well, Friday yeah, was just... really instructive, Mark. Friday was, I thought, was a really interesting performance because they had the lead. They gave away a really stupid penalty and Hoffenheim made it 1-1 and it took them ages to get back into the game. Like like they'd started well, they'd got their goal, then gave away a really dumb goal and then it just took so long for them to snap back into a team that looked as though it could win the game. And that worries me that it's a Dortmund team that just cannot so far put together anything like a 90-minute display. Yeah, I feel like we say this every week, though, about Dortmund. You just described the goal they gave away as dumb, and, and that's just Dortmund in a nutshell at the moment. It tends to be the Dortmund way, just give away stupid goals uh, too consistently. They did it last season. They could have even won the title. But um, they've been quite bullish in the press, really, after the weekend. You know, They're talking about how they've got more points and more goals than at the same stage 12 months ago. Um, but the eye test tells you something very different. 
I think find few people to say they're a better side than they were 12 months ago. And as Emmett says, the schedule has been quite kind. And, you know, I didn't see the whole game. I saw glimpses of Friday night, but overall they scored three goals from six shots. So it doesn't look like they absolutely dominated Hoffenheim as well. And by your report as well, it was uh, a bitty performance too. So they were outplayed by PSG for the most part on match day one. Uh, The huge positive they do have is their record at home in the Champions League. They've lost just one group stage game in 15, going back to 2018-19. But... Milan will test them. Um, you know, to come away from match day one without reward against Newcastle will have hurt. They won the shot count 25-6, had nine shots on target, four big chances, an MPXG of greater than two. So they should get more top opportunities here, the way in which Dortmund play. They just need to be, be a bit more clinical. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an unforgiving pool, this, isn't it? So um, I think Milan will sort of back their intelligence, their craft, their tactical setup to go to Dortmund and get at least a point. So to be able to get them on side of the quarter goal start does appeal to me. Um, as you say, they were very good against Lazio at the weekend, only allowed three shots in the box in that match. And, and the only real hiccup came in a derby where they always tend to fall well below their standards against Simone and Zaghi and Inter. So, yeah, Dortmund haven't convinced. And I think, uh, you know, I've just got very little confidence in backing them as a, a sort of 2.5 shot in this match. Manchester United under serious pressure as they face a dangerous Galatasaray side that's packed with attacking talent. Stinch United are 1.48 on the exchange to take the win here. I felt like when the draw for the group stage was made, this was the game where the alarm bells rang for me. Because you think of the way that Wolves cut them open on the counter in that Premier League game and United got away with it and won the game. Galatasaray have the quality to do that too, don't they? I think you got the the headline probably in Man United's group from round one was not the fact they lost at Bayern, was the fact that Galatasaray didn't pick up three points against Copenhagen. And that makes it a lot easier now for Man United yeah. to, to qualify. Um, so it might be seen as a missed opportunity for Galatasaray. But given the, the talent they have available, which I'll come on to, um, there could be there could be potential that they could cause an upset here. Um you said United were 1.48, was it? Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody's backing that with any confidence, right? Five five defeats in nine, worst start to a Premier League season. Plenty of injury and, and off the field issues. Um, you know, to, to beat Crystal Palace 3-0, I think was uh, in, in the League Cup, was a... Uh, Good to get them back on track, but then you know they fell fell short in the in the repeat um, game on on the Saturday. And yeah, when you look at that Galatasaray squad: Icardi, Akertoglu, Bakambu, Ziyech, Zaha, Tete, Mertens, and Dombele, Demba. You know that's nearly that's nearly two teams there. Um, yeah. There's plenty plenty of talent there going forward. So. I think it makes complete sense to try and get Galatasaray on side in some way. I think you could lay Man United. Um, I'd much rather lay them than than back Galatasaray. I say plus one and a quarter goals. I think there's always um, always the chance that um, a team, when they are priced up at, at short price, they can run away with a game. But if it doesn't click, it's. I think there's more chance that they don't win it than than they they only win by a single goal. So I I would rather lay United. Um, but I think I think um, the preferred way that I want to side with Galatasaray is essentially back both teams to score around about 1.85. Um, Galatasaray only four to seven to score, so that's a huge increase. If if you um, suggest that the you know the four to nine faves go and score them themselves, and actually if you if you followed Galatasaray in the markets the last couple of matches, they've been they've been punted in quite a lot. Um, 
they were around about four to seven away um istanbul support um a week and a half ago and they end up going off at like one to three and at the weekend they they were opened at one to three and went off at two to nine so i'm wondering if perhaps the the market is catching up on the fact they have got all this uh talent and and you know and the performances are beginning to reflect that so i think um, you could see United's price increase. Uh, another way I looked at trying to get Galatasaray on side was um, I thought their shot line was interesting. You can back Galatasaray to have 11 or more shots at 10 to 11. Uh, Man United are conceding 13.7 so far in the Premier League. And Galatasaray, albeit in the Turkish League, averaging over 18 shots per game themselves. That could be another way to get them on side. And if you want to go for a bit of a bigger price for Galatasaray to hit hit their line that they average in Turkey, it's 10 to 1. And given, wow. Wolves, given Wolves had 23 at Old Trafford, um, that might be uh, another way to go as well. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like a Manchester United team that's... Look, you can understand why they're favourites, but it's not clicking at the moment. There are big problems on and off the field. Galatasaray turn up with their version of the Harlem Globetrotters. They might be awful. I mean, they were against Copenhagen for big stretches of that game. You never know what you're going to get with them. But if they click, they're more than capable of scoring goals at Old Trafford, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. I'll just, if you just give me, give me a couple of minutes here. I just need to kind of get a few things about mine out off my chest here. I was actually at the, <laughs> Evans, was, the floor is yours. Therapy was, session. Here yeah, we go. I was at the stadium on Saturday for the Palace game, and it was as miserable an experience I've ever had going to Old Trafford. Like you could, you could feel the feel the discontent in the stadium from basically from kickoff. There was no atmosphere in the ground for about the 60th minute until you know, to force a few corners, but just like, it feels, it feels a little, it felt like watching kind of the Louis van Gaal teams back in the day where it's just like, they have no real pattern in attack. There's no slick attacking moves. It's just pass the ball from side to side and hope Rashford does something or hope Bruno does something. United are in a, I think in a kind of a bad place and it just, it feels kind of like, like kind of groundhog day in the sense of like just the previous managers United have had, the consistent theme is they've let their, they've let kind of the whoever manager has been charged kind of sign their own players, which few yeah. if any if any club in the Premier League are um, are doing at the moment. But also United have kind of consistently given their fans false hope by league position, which isn't backed up by underlying numbers. So in Mourinho's second season, 2017-18, you know, they finished second in the league, but expected points models had them as the sixth best team in the league. And, and they'd also were knocked out by Sevilla in humiliating fashion, the Champions League. Oh, they then were at, awful in that tie. They're oh, appalling. Yeah, I'd appalling. forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wanted to forget. I wish I could men in black style blank out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but then because of those raised expectations with the second, finishing second, Mourinho was sacked then mid-season, the season after. Similarly, under Solskjaer, we finished second in the league um, during the kind of COVID interrupted season, but expected points models has a kind of fourth, in the only fourth in the Premier League, San Ronaldo in the summer. High, high, high raised expectations Solskjaer sacked mid-season then again last season we finished in you know, Hag's first year finishing third in the league but again by expected points models we were only the sixth best team in the league expectations then raised for the season after and I think you would need to be I think you, you, no one would be surprised if Eric Ten Hag is like Solskjaer and Mourinho sacked mid-season I think he's Ten Hag is a better manager um, in kind of in modern football than both than Solskjaer and Mourinho but I think 
Like, if are you alarmed this, by the lack of passion? It's, it's, because he was it's, it's brought so in alarming. as a tactics guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's brought in as a tactics guy. We knew last season that there was an element of compromise because he came in and he said, right, yeah. the way that I like to play is with a goalkeeper who can build up, but De Gea's got divers boots on, so we can't do that. Fine. So we'll just kick long when we've got it with him. We'll we'll kind of do our best. We'll muddle through. But with Onana in goal, it was supposed to be different because he is very, very good with the ball at his feet. We know that. But I thought they were utterly atrocious against Bayern yeah. on match day one because... That Bayern team is not very good at the moment. I, I can guarantee you that. I, I've covered most of their games this season. I've seen all their games. That There are big, big problems there. And you had Conrad Leimer, who's not a right back, and Rashford absolutely torched him the first time he ran at him. I can't remember him running him again. So yeah. I, I genuinely do not understand what, what's gone wrong there. Yeah, and like, I, 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 I totally agree with everything you said there. I, I don't. It's not the... It's not the losing or like the it's not it's not the losing or, or the kind of the bad bad results that's the issue. It's the kind of the lack of pattern. And if you just see compared to say Roberto De Serbi or even or even more so Ange Postacoglu who hasn't been at Spurs that long, and you can just you can see the pattern, you can see a real method to everything they do. I think even maybe you can say Spurs are running hot at the moment, a little bit by luck, but like they're they're getting the absolute maximum out of all their players. I, I, I just it just feels like it feels like um at United that's really not the case and. You have to hope it turns around, but the signs certainly aren't positive. And there was kind of audible booze at full time. And yeah, I think it's kind of, it's, you know, they're pretty close to kind of out now crisis. I agree with Stinch's for this game. I agree with Stinch's bet here. You know, I have conceded 11 goals in seven matches in the league, only one more than Luton and Everton. Even though Galatasaray weren't that impressive on match day one, they still have Merton, Zicardi, Zaha, and Ziyech. If he's fit, they can do enough to at least get in the score sheet. And uh, both teams to score at 183 looks looks fair to me in the exchange. And they did come back from 2-0 down against Copenhagen with a couple of brilliant goals as well late on in that match. Worth bearing in mind that you can get a free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Manchester United against Galatasaray. Opt-in required. Max free bet varies from £1 to £5 per customer. Minimum combined odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. So Union Berlin in action. Their first ever home game in the Champions League as they take on Braga. They're not going to be at the usual stadium in Kerpenic. They're going to be at the cavernous Olympiastadion instead. Mark Union, though, not in good shape. They've lost five in a row in all competitions. It's the first time that's ever happened under Urs Fischer. And I was talking to a Bundesliga coach at the weekend, actually, about this. And his feeling was that there's an element, not that Union have been worked out per se, but the big change has been psychological. What used to happen was when you played against Union, it was little old Union, so you were expected to go and attack them. And you couldn't really get away with anything else. The fans wouldn't let you. And so that plays into Union's idea of hitting you on the counter and what have you. Now teams can legitimately say, well, they're a Champions League team, so we can play a bit more negatively now. And they've just got not getting space to counter-attack. They're not getting space to generate the kind of chances they normally would. Yeah, um, you sort of alluded to that on, on our weekend podcast as well, um, where we talked about their game against Heidenheim at the weekend, where 
I actually felt really sorry for them. Uh, I watched the game and they did more than enough, not just to score, but even to get a result out of that match. They lost 1-0. They generated next year of 294. Um, I thought they were similarly kind of profligate against Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg at, at particular moments in, in that match. But yeah, in those five defeats now, they've scored just once. And I saw their captain, Christopher Trimmel, was basically blaming their poor form and a, on a lack of confidence. But I think that was kind of pointedly towards the, the players at the top end of the field not finishing the, the opportunities that they are creating. And that was definitely to blame on on Saturday. Um, on match day one, you already said in the show, they got um, beaten in the last second at the Bernabeu by Real Madrid. An unfortunate goal to concede, but they were absolutely you know, bulldozed in that game. They should have won, <laughs> yeah. lost that game far earlier than they did. Uh, now it's obviously a historic occasion for them this midweek, and the Olympic Stadium will be, you know, full of Union fans. They've sold, I think, they've sold out, haven't they? Um, yeah. Or at least sold out the, the Champions League season tickets that they offered. So, um, yeah, kind of a pinch yourself moment for Union. Um, but do they deserve to be odds on? Um, I don't think so. Uh, it feels like a good opportunity to oppose them. But there's a there's a better bet, I think, is is available. But uh, yeah, Braga, the, the opposition, they were beaten by Napoli on match day one. But I thought they competed very well for the most part of that game. They had 16 shots in that 2-1 defeat, 12 shots inside the box. Um, they seem to have recovered a little bit from what was a really rocky start to their campaign. Uh, they've turned over Burvista and Estrella 4-1 and 4-2 in their last two domestic outings. And in Ricardo Horta and uh, Simon Banza, they're players who are, are very much amongst the goals at the minute. So they're very confident in what they're doing going forward, but they are kind of a bit haphazard defensively at the minute. They've been great fun oh, to follow. That goal was mad. The one that <laughs> yeah. saw them lose the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but they've been you know, just a bit all over the place defensively all season, really. If you look at their domestic games, they're averaging well over four goals per game. They have scored 12 goals in four away days, but they're not keeping clean sheets. And all eight of their matches across league and Champions League have banked in the both teams to score column. And, and that's the bet that appeals to me at 189. Um, I think Braga score in this game, but I, I can't see Union's woes in front of the goal continuing for too much longer, I still think uh, they're a menace from set pieces, and that's obviously an area yes, of weakness for true. Braga at the minute too. So, uh, again, just uh, I think the way in which the, the pool is set up at the minute, both sides lost their openers uh, when outsiders against Napoli and Real Madrid. They're expected to be battling out for third, but both will be hoping to sort of muzzle their way into that sort of top top two finish. They'll both be targeting this game as almost must win, and I think you know that kind of lends itself to a an exciting game at least. And I think Braga will bring. Uh, an attacking verve to this match. And I think Union will obviously, obviously been keen to make their their own sort of, um, will just express themselves a bit more. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting a, a decent game here. I think both teams to score at 189 is, is the play to have, but I wouldn't be putting anyone off sort of laying Union odds on quotes. And, and just as a, another one, uh, Betfair have just opened up the, the fouls markets on this match. You can get five to six, 183 on Alex Crowell to commit one foul. Yes. And uh, <laughs> Almas Ratti to commit a foul from, uh, from Braga too. So two players in, defensive midfield uh both just uh rack up the foul numbers like it's no tomorrow so i think five to six and both just to commit one foul each is, is a nice play yeah Kral's one of those players who simply cannot resist going in uh for a challenge or hanging out a leg elsewhere in that group two teams that won on match day one as mark alluded to napoli against real madrid emmett what are we going to see here because real Started really badly against Girona. I know you look at the the result and say, oh, well, he won that fairly comfortably, but it started really badly. Napoli smashed Lecce, but all is not well off the pitch. Absolutely, yeah. The kind of Victor Osman controversy, one of the, one of the stranger things, things I've seen seen in football in, in, in kind of recent years. Um, Lampooning their own player on their yeah. own social media. Ridiculous. 
yeah, yeah less said about that the better but yeah just totally totally avoidable really um I yeah just to kind of to kind of continue on your point about a bit about Real Real have been kind of running I think getting quite lucky in their kind of matches in La Liga this season they're kind of mid table on kind of expected goals conceded which I think is kind of a pretty worrying statistic when you're playing against a kind of Kvaratskhelia and uh, and and Osman and Napoli I I I've kind of I've had doubts about them coming into the season. They, their similar performances have been a bit patchy, but the underlying numbers have been generally strong under Rudy Garcia. And we haven't seen. I am expecting to see it see, see a decline at some point because uh, I do think he is he is a big downgrade on um, on 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 Spalletti. But 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 to be fair, I think we haven't we haven't necessarily seen seen that yet. And I was kind of I was surprised to see kind of Real slight favourites maybe it's kind of moving towards kind of 50-50 at the odds at the moment but I I would lean happily in the match betting but I think a, a better bet is just is just kind of over on the goal totals on the sports book you can back um, both teams team to score and over two and a half goals at 1.8 on the exchange you can just back um, over 2.5 goals at 1.7 that looks more than fair six of Napoli's first eight have gone um, have gone over two and a half and I think the only reason we haven't seen that same kind of percentage of games going over for Real is kind of based on luck, luck and kind of opposition teams poor finishing so expecting that to change and I think we'll probably see a pretty high scoring clash Stinch Napoli were amazing in the Champions League last season. It's quite difficult to, even though they kept Kvaratskhelia, they kept Ossimen, they lost their coach Luciano Spalletti. Garcia is a very different type of coach. It's quite difficult to maintain that really high level, isn't it, in the Champions League? Yeah, I don't see Napoli being as good as last season simply because of, of Rudy Garcia. I think Spalletti did a fantastic job. Um, you know, I was I was there in uh, Naples when they they won the won the league and uh, you know you could feel the bond with the the manager um, and I think that's something that uh, is very difficult to replicate with a bit of a with a bit of a journeyman but um, I I want to having said all that I want to oppose Madrid at the prices I I don't think they should be favourites um, with the second of October I'm still waiting for them to sign a replacement for Benzema um, I, I don't and I don't see the system that they're playing long-term is going to bring them the success that they crave in terms of league titles and Champions League successes. Um, and if you look at them in terms of price, I, I think um, there there is a, a logic to say they are too short. You look at them uh, against Girona at the weekend, they were 10 to 11 away there. Um, it's not a price you'd normally associate with Madrid against, uh, you know, a mid-table or bottom half opposition side, which I think Girona ultimately will be. Um, yeah. They were five to four away at Bilbao. They're the same price here as they were away at Atletico, and we saw what happened there. And I would rate Napoli better than Atletico, uh, particularly going forward. Uh, maybe not defensively, but I think uh, we all know that. Uh, that uh, the Atletico's attack under Simeone is never going to be at the same level as, as other top European teams. And I tried to quantify a little bit by looking at um, Madrid and Napoli against Liverpool last season, because obviously they, they played each other, so it gave you a good uh, scope for, for the odds. And last season when Madrid went to Liverpool, they were 11-5. to 5. Now, Napoli went there and they were 13-5. to 5, So, you know, obviously the market would rate Madrid stronger based on that. But that was the final group game where Napoli didn't need to win. They just needed to yeah. avoid a, a 4-0 defeat or, or larger to top the group. 
So I think there's an element there. You could say that Napoli and Madrid may be equal in ability. Um, but then if you remove Benzema, and that's what we're seeing with Madrid's odds this season, there has been a, a bit of a significant uh, increase in their, in their average odds with that uh, Benzema departure. Um, if you sort of move Madrid um, to that, say, 13 to 5, same as Napoli, um, given the the motivation, then you moved it further. You, you'd make Napoli faves. Now, they're not even faves and you've, and we haven't even factored in home advantage. So I think Napoli arguably could be sort of five to four, six to five here. So I think there's some margin of value to work with given Napoli are underdogs. No Courtois as well, who we know is a level That's above. That's massive, isn't it? Like if you've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world, arguably the best on the form he showed last year, to lose him is enormous. Yeah, I mean, he single-handedly won the Champions League final against Liverpool, in in my yeah. mind, from a defensive uh, perspective. So, yeah, a huge drop-off to, to Kepa, who, regardless of any of his faults or whatever, has only been there a few months and maybe not integrated properly with the, the defensive bat line. And, you know, if you're having to contain Osman and Kovacilia, you know, that's that's a huge task. Um didn't think I'd have myself saying this, but very heavily rely on Madrid on Bellingham and Josselu, who've scored uh, yeah. 11, 11 of their 17 goals this season. Well, Bellingham got a goal and an assist at the weekend. Brilliant outside of the boot pass to find Hosselu. I mean, Hosselu is what he is. He's fine. He's, he's a proven goal scorer at La Liga level. What he isn't is carrying Benzema. Yeah, I mean, we've that, seen... That's the truth of it, isn't it, really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at Benzema's numbers in the Champions League and the, the the low quality chances he was provided with to see, you know, how incredible he he was, and you know, his for his level to go up after Ronaldo departed, I uh, just thought was was really really um, you know, great great sort of credit to him because he always seemed to be in Ronaldo's shadow. Um, yeah. You know, well, while he Ronaldo played was that there. role deliberately, but he he took it upon himself to be the facilitator, to say to Ronaldo, right, if you want to be the main man, fine. I'll do everything I can to help you. Then when he went, to, you're absolutely right, to then take that on and say, right, now I'm the main man. I have to play like it. And play in a very different way. It's hugely impressive. Yeah, I mean, he surpassed all the expectations that, that I thought. And I think even he could he could have just been sort of an, an average number nine at Real Madrid and they'd still have had success. So he, to play above that level, if it was really, really key. So, yeah, I, I think um, I'm not sure if Bellingham was made aware that he'd have to carry this Real Madrid team from a goal scoring perspective when he arrived. But I don't think it's something that ultimately is, is sustainable. Um Obviously, Napoli had have had issues, um, but I did see that uh, last night Victor Osman came out with a statement stating his love for the the city and the fans. So I think they can maybe put that to to bed now. Um, this obviously the the team have scored four in back to back games. So. Um, but then everything obviously comes down to price. You look at Napoli's nine games this season, the average odds have been four to nine. So you can still see how much the market rates them. So yeah, I want I want Napoli on side at the prices. So Napoli draw no better at 10 to 11. Barcelona going well at home and abroad. Mark, they've got a tricky trip to Porto. I feel like we always say that. You have to kind of bolt that onto the front of to Porto. Um Although they did lose to Benfica at the weekend, perhaps play most of the game with 10 men. So how difficult is this? Barcelona weren't great against Sevilla. They got the job done in the end, but they weren't they weren't great, were they? 
Barcelona haven't been great since they they did those uh, consecutive five 0 wins against Antwerp and Betis, and that's for me a reason to oppose them this midweek because I think they're short enough. They haven't been anywhere near as thick or as dominant um, in those matches. I backed them to to cover a handicap against Celta. They were two 0 down in that match before Iago Aspas got yes. taken off, and they turned it around late on and. Very oh, unconvincing. Rafa, that what it, were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they just looked so open and easy to play against on the counter-attack. It was so easy for Celta just to open them up. Every time possession was turned over, they looked like they are going to score. Um, throughout the match, they just looked off the pace defensively. The field balance didn't look right. Then they went to Mallorca and they were held 2-2. Again, defensively looked like a rabble at times. Had fewer shots on target than Mallorca. Mallorca had seven corners that day as well, so... You know, they carved out a couple of big opportunities outside of the goals they could have scored as well. And then, yeah, on Friday night, they um, they were the better team, but they weren't exactly convincing against Sevilla and the goal arriving via Sergio Ramos. But, you know, there's no De Jong, there's no Pedri at the minute. And I think that's quite glaringly obvious because the midfield hasn't been functioning anywhere near like it could be. And um, it's having a negative effect on performances. Uh, Romeo hasn't really grasped his opportunity as the destroyer or the kind of player to play at the uh, in the pivot role there. So they're too easy to play against. And, and while Ter Stegen was Superman last season, it, it's impossible to keep up those standards all the time. So there was always going to be a bit of regression there. And yeah, they're playing a Porto side who are still probably seething about the injustice of that Classico defeat against Benfica on Friday night. An incredibly harsh early red card went against them. You know, Conseil Sao is, is like a caged bear at the best of times and he was ready to explode on the sidelines. So they're going to be pumped for this. Uh, as you say, you know, always got to sort of say all the time, but the Dragao is uh, one of the great European stadiums on a, on a Champions League night. So it I is true, think... though, isn't it? I mean, Conseil Sao yeah. always has them up for a game. They're, they're horrible to play against. They've got Pepe, who's like, what, 64 now, <laughs> still able to kind of boot people. It is a horrible place to go. It is, yeah. Um, you know, Leverkusen and Atletico were beaten there last season into a held. So Barcelona's away record in this competition hasn't been that impressive, really, since they're winning the competition, you know, many years ago, really. Um, if you look at their their victories in this competition away from home, almost all of them come against kind of pot four teams, really, and, and Porto just aren't that. So, you know, Porto 2.02 of the half goal start, you're paid if they avoid defeat. Looks good to me. I uh, wouldn't put anyone off sort of backing goals in this game either. Barca's last three away games in La Liga have produced 14 goals. Uh, Mallorca, Villarreal, Osasuna. Porto should score. And if they do, I think they're, they're capable of getting a result here. But, you know, just uh, well aware of the firepower that Barca do have at their disposal too. So should be a good game. Uh, Porto will turn it into a scrap and I'm going to back them to avoid defeat. Yes, Stinch, is that the thing with Barcelona, that even though Mark's absolutely right, there's big holes in that midfield. Defensively, sometimes they really do rely on Stegen producing heroics. But if you've got Lewandowski and you've got Joao Felix, who suddenly has decided he's going to play really, really well now that he's escaped the cage at Atletico Madrid, there are games where you don't play well, but those guys are just going to get you out of trouble, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And I, I want to go a different way in this game. I think you only have to look at what Porto have offensively compared to Barcelona and it's miles apart. And in terms of the, the drag out being, you know, intimidating, I think you only have to ask Liverpool that it's not actually that bad considering every time they turn up, they score three, four, five goals. So everything comes down to odds as usual and I want to oppose Porto at, at the prices to be honest I think I think it's a big it's a, a big change in of the guard in, in a way because if you look at the odds that they that Benfica went off on Friday Benfica were odds on 1.86 now 
generally if two teams are of uh, similar ability uh, the home team would be sort of five to four six to five yeah. so the market's clearly saying that Benfica are now a level above Porto and if you look at them in in terms of what they've done in in their other matches it doesn't make for pretty reading Porto just one clean sheet in nine you know in a league that the outside of the games against Benfica Sporting and, and Braga they're expected to dominate they've only scored 13 goals you know, this is despite them going off shorter than one to two on, on six of those nine occasions. Uh, Medi Tarimi is now 31. He's only got two goals in nine. There's a huge, huge reliance on him. He scored 22 of their 73 three league goals last season. You know, so he was 30%. a bit distracted, wasn't he, by the fact he thought he was going to Milan. It, did, it yep. all fell apart at the end. and So that's not great. They lost to Tavio as well, didn't they? They sold him to Saudi. So then... You know, it, 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 you're then relying on that next kind of group of younger players, aren't you? I think Artavio is the the key thing here in central midfield. Um, you know, just basic stats, fourth top goal scorer and, and joint most assists last season. But if you look in terms of the way Porto play, they played through him an awful lot. You know, he averaged the fourth most passes last season, but crucially, he played by far and away the most key passes in their team. Um, far more than anybody else. And yeah, I think that this is the reason why we've seen they've only scored 13 goals in, in nine games. If you contrast that to Barcelona, who scored 24, you know, there's a clear gulf there. And we spoke about, you know, the fact that they, they have the better quality attackers as well. You know, despite everything said about Barca, they have won seven of their nine games. And, you know, you 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 only need to take your chances that put in front of you. You don't need to necessarily play well for 90 minutes. Um, and you look at Barcelona's odds, their average odds so far this season have been just four to nine. And, and here you can get them at, at 193. So I'm happy to back Barcelona in this matchup at the odds. Well, let's look at one final Champions League game. We'll look at Leipzig against Manchester City. Mark, Leipzig, Played very, very well for patches of their game against Bayern, but in the end drew 2-2, having led 2-0. They could have easily won that game had it not been for a bizarre late piece of heroics from Sven Ulreich. They would have uh, got a late, late winner with Benjamin Cesco. The home form under Marco Rose is very, very good. They very rarely lose at home, and City couldn't beat them there last season. Yes, they absolutely wiped the floor with them in the second leg. It's not an easy game. Definitely not, no. Um, I think that's almost forgotten. People have almost erased it from history because of the second leg and how convincingly City beat Leipzig and Atieti had, but they failed to beat them in Germany in that first leg. And it wasn't, um, you know, Leipzig were, I wouldn't say they're the better team, but they were very competitive in that first yeah. game too. So um, I think this is an opportunity for them to strike a blow. I'm not going to say they're going to go and get a, get a victory out of this game, but they can keep it very, very competitive. They'll feel revenge is uh, is in the offing potentially too. And I've been encouraged by their start of the season, not just the, the weekend game against Bayern Munich. You know, City have now lost successive games, which is almost unheard of really, but they've not been bringing the house down consistently this season either. Um, similar sort of flaws to what we've always talked about, but they've been starting games quite slowly now. They've conceded first and four of the last five games. And at the weekend, we saw Leipzig run into a 2 0 lead against Bayern. So, you know, if Leipzig can start well, uh, there's an opportunity for them here. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're priced to what, 5.0 to win this match? You know, you can get Leipzig on side with a plus one start on the Asian handicap. I'm going to back Leipzig uh, plus two and both teams to score on the bet builder at 186. It's a bigger price than backing Leipzig plus one on the Asian, and you get more on your side as well. Um, they might follow the same blueprint that Wolves had and Newcastle had against uh, City, Hassel, Harry, deny them space, defend as, as best as you can and hope your forwards can take their opportunities when That's they the come. Now, Leipzig, right? 
that's, that's exactly, exactly what they do yeah and they are stacked with quality in forward areas that should be able to take one of those opportunities as well so it won't be easy City haven't lost three games on the spin since April 2018 and, and those matches were home and again way against Liverpool in the Champions League and Man United in the Premier League the issue is they have Rodri back and, and he is a <laughs> you know he's a enormous character to have in that defensive midfield role but um yeah, I just think Leipzig can get under their skin. Uh, they t- turned Real Madrid over in the group stage last season at home. They, of course, held City. Uh, they beat City at home in the previous year. They held PSG to a two-all draw not long ago. Um, they almost always score at home in the Champions League. They've scored twice or more, many times as well. Uh, their goal scoring, they've got 16 and 6 Bundesliga games already, which is a record at this stage for them, despite having already faced Bayern, Leverkusen and Union. So, I can kind of vouch for them at a big price in this game. But um, the only concerning fact I have really is they did wilt a little bit in that second half against Bayern. They looked a little bit tired. They looked a little bit like they could have almost blown themselves out with that first half performance. So we need a bit more of a 90-minute performance here to to match City for that length of time. But um, I think they can be competitive. So obviously backing backing them with a plus two handicap means um, we'll still get paid if BTTS lands and City win this game by at least one goal or exactly one goal, I should say. So... Quite a lot on your side. Um, obviously, we always back City to score, and I think Leipzig can do similar. And if you haven't seen Xavi play for Leipzig this season, go and treat yourself. He's been absolutely immense so far for them. Arguably one of the best players in the Bundesliga so far this season. Uh, we'll wrap up with a quick look at the Europa League. Liverpool up against Belgian side Union Saint-Gilloise. West Ham have got a tough away game at Freiburg. Since you want to take a look at Brighton's visit to Marseille, Brighton, strangely ragged against AEK Athens in that first game. Maybe understandable because it was their first ever European game and everybody was very excited and it was all party atmosphere and what have you. They obviously got smacked at Villa at the weekend, but Marseille are not great. Yeah, I mean, Marseille just obviously appointed uh, Gattuso as manager, so not really too much so far that we can go off just the one game in charge away at Monaco. But five goals and and eight yellow cards maybe gives us an indication of uh, (laughs) what we might be in for. Um, I think think we can confidently say this is going to be contrasting styles of football uh, with De Zerbi's free-flowing against... Gritty maybe is is okay to label uh, Gattuso's sides. So you can understand why Brighton are 13 to 10 favourites. You know, Marseille, we talked about um, intimidating places to go to. Marseille is an intimidating place to go to, I would say. Well, maybe more as a fan than perhaps a player. But uh, yeah, you also for their own players half the time and their (laughs) own coaches and the people who run the club. It's quite intimidating for all of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think you'd be back in. You can understand why Brighton are thirteen to ten phase. I don't think you, you'd be back in them confidently. And then we've seen, we've seen them, um, you know, be upset at, at short prices a few times already this season. You referenced that game against uh, AEK. They were two to nine. They were they were one to two at home to West Ham. They weren't far off being uh, equal faves away at Villa at the weekend. And they just always give you a chance at the back, don't they? So that's why I don't think you can. You can really bat them, but I think it's obvious. You know, we'll just keep we'll just keep plying the the goal angle. Why not? Um, Deserbi, one hundred and sixty five goals in his forty eight games in charge of Brighton. You know, <laughs> that's nearly three point five per game. Wow. In, a, in the Premier League, we would associate the Premier League as sort of two point eight, two point seven. Um, you know, so these are sort of Bundesliga numbers, and well, higher than Bundesliga numbers. You know, it's not something. 
that we would consider, you know, 48 matches is well over, you know, a 38 game Premier League sample. So I think we can, well, everything with our eyes tells us that it's not going to stop anytime soon. And, and the stats would agree with that. You know, away from home is 86 goals in his 24 matches. So that's above three and a half per game. And it, both teams have scored in 18 of those 24 games, which is impressive enough. But when you consider that uh, in in six that didn't win, two of those were were against lower league Stoke and Charlton, you know, that number rises even higher. Um, as we as we said, um, our first glimpse of Brighton in the Europa League saw them lose 3-2 at home when they were 2-9 faves. So for me... It, We'll just continue to to back the goals over two and a half goals. Both teams to score eight to eleven. Would surprise that we could get like a you know backable price there. Um, would 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 have expected it to be a to be a lot sure. As I say, we don't know what we're going to get with with Marseille, but uh, we, the general rule for Brighton is uh, that they'll give you a chance at their end. But obviously, fantastic going forward themselves. And just a quick one from you, Emmett. Before we go, um, we saw Liverpool come from behind to beat Lask. And we saw them make a lot of changes, but you look at them and I don't think anybody thinks that they're going to prioritize the Europa League, certainly in the group stage, but they do look a danger to, to win this competition, don't they? Because if you look at all of the options they've got up front, I know the Premier League is going to be the priority, but actually once you get to, you know, the way this is set up, if you win your group, you're through to the last 16 already. So you're only a couple of rounds away from them probably playing pretty strong teams. For sure. I think I probably, in terms of if you're thinking of backing them for the Europa League, it might hold us told off because I don't think their price is going to move appreciably throughout the group stages. And I just wait to see what kind of teams come down from the Champions League. Yeah, and see what kind of their 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 opposition their opposition will be. But I I, I think this is arguably the, one of the deepest slot, squads the Klopp has ever had at Liverpool. If you just look at the midfield options compared to last season, they go nearly eight deep at midfield. You have the three young lads with kind of Elliot, uh, Badgetich, and Curtis Jones. You've um, obviously Endo, McAllister, Sabasly. You've th- hopefully, hopefully Thiago Thiago coming back from injury, and you've Gravenberg as well. So I think you've eight eight. It's not deep. bad, is it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like I felt. I know, obviously, they had the season where they went for the quadruple and 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 kind of came close. But often, you felt the Klopp was nearly happy to go out in the early rounds of cups throughout his tenure because he knew they didn't have the squad. If you remember, if you say Liverpool, I know Divock Origi's a cult hero in Liverpool. One Liverpool fan, but he wasn't that good. Let's let's be frank. And it's a, the drop off. Strange player. <laughs> yeah, the, the the drop off from 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 Firmino to Origi like was 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 obviously significant. If you compare if you compare that to say and now. Where you, it's the, the you've kind of there's not that same gap between say Nunez and Gakpo or or, or Yata coming up. You've arguably three good centre forward options. Where in the where, where in the past you only had one. Um. So yeah, I, I think I think Liverpool are well set up to have to like maybe even ha- have a run in both the domestic cups and 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 the Europa League. Yeah, go yeah. well in. Yes. Uh, very quickly, and uh, because of the Premier League supremacy, I've had a, a very muggy cross-competition treble of Man City, Liverpool, and Villa at sixty-six to one, which I think will give uh, will definitely give me interest post Christmas. Yeah, because that that defeat for Villa in Warsaw, it's not great, but it, it's not fatal, is it? Really, you would expect them to comfortably qualify from that group, right? Yeah, I mean, arguably, it's a bit of a wake-up call that they can't take the other five matches easy. So you'd expect Emery to maybe play a bit of a stronger side in those games. 
That's all we have time for on this European edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good preview articles across the three European competitions on our website, betting.betfair.com. We'll have our usual weekend previews later in the week. And remember, all of our shows are now on the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. From Emmett, from Stinch, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.